0: I love the jars. There was um uh, In 2016, I did like a solo iteration of this longer project I've been working on, and I had these kind of like time capsules and mason jars. Mm. These jars are beautiful Mm. with the wooden tops.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and it's actually. even nicer now that they're full and i've yes. seen them incrementally sure. fill up
0: sure and kind of distinguish themselves yeah. even in their yeah. sort of order and yeah yeah similarity mm-hmm. i love also that there's some that the objects are a little too big, too big for big. them yeah. it's really nice yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hmm.
1: You know, it's happened rarely with me that I get to speak to another dancer. Yeah. And that would be strange because we would imagine that it would be easy to be in community with dancers when you think of yourself as well. Yeah. So it's, um, it's really a pleasure to speak to you. Yeah.
0: I'm glad to be here. I was glad for the invitation and for a chance to look at your writings and... I yeah, just think a little, little, little bit about, it's, I took a few notes inside the writing, so I was like, oh, I'm curious about this language, and mm-hmm. I don't know where, I'm, oh yeah, I put it somewhere in here, but um, yeah, um, so that's something I'm coming into this thinking about. Mm. But within the writings, I don't think I... Understood, like, oh, and you're a dancer, yeah. so it's not so I'm thinking yeah. about it now,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel like over the years, I almost like extracted that side out and kept it outside while entering this conversation. And I never understood why I could not integrate it integrate two two kinds of practices Mm -hmm. or maybe they're not even two separate kinds Mm -hmm. obviously but Mm -hmm. why i I had to keep looking at them as separate Mm -hmm. yeah that's (laughs)
0: that's an alert Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but i wonder some of the it's interesting because some of the ways your language Feels like it emerges, felt resonant, and so maybe it's in there, and it's like not self-aware. It's not like oh, and here is the part where dance (laughs) is like infused within this, but it may be
1: in there in any case. Um, How did you? How did you arrive at dance? I mean, my mom says
0: I used to dance in the womb, like when music came on, like I would start really, really moving. Um, I imagine maybe I'm not the only, you know, child who does that. You know, there's a, it's sound and rhythm and, you know, I can imagine that that, at a certain point in your development before you're born, that's engages with something, some particular developmental stages. But um, and then there was a lot of, my mom was a visual arts teacher, like in public school. And there was a lot of, I think because I like to move, she's like, oh, you can, you know, I'll take you to this creative
1: movement and um,
0: in St. Croix, my home island. And then there was a company there that specialized in Afro-Caribbean dance, but taught like a lot of different forms. And they, during it was during the eighties when the National Endowment for the Arts was really funding a lot of like arts engagement and you know and so they taught classes at recess in my school in the mm-hmm. auditorium. So I started taking classes mm-hmm. with them and then something about I think the I guess the physical engagement coupled with like the, the structure or like you could see, you could track like a progress of learning in the body. Um, and I really just decided, oh, I'm gonna do that. And then we moved and we moved and moved and moved and, moved, and I stopped, you so, um, know, there was, I think also something about that home environment that was very, they were very rigorous with us, but with great love. Um, and I think it expected us to do well. And I had teachers who I think thought of me as a dancer and like thought I could see a trajectory. And then as we started moving, like I couldn't, I didn't find that as much anymore, mm. you know, mm. it was, I was always too late or too old. Mm. Like I hadn't done, I, there were all these things I hadn't done, right. or at least that's how I was internalized, you know, yeah. a young person, yeah. you're internalizing all, oh, well I haven't done this yet or I haven't done that. Um, and so by the time I got to college I had sort of unearthed also a love of writing Mm. and I went to school for journalism and then I was a journalist Mm. for five years professionally and did a bunch of things reporting, editing I had a section of a newspaper and had done many internships before that in in DC and Portland, Oregon and I I was on a particular trajectory but I also was quite, I could feel the tug of dance Mm -hmm. because it had been such an early, I had I don't know if I decided but I had arrived at dance as you, I think that's what you asked me, how I arrived at dance I had arrived at dance at such an early age in a community that was so so clearly saw that in me that even though all these other things had happened in the interim and even though journalism was quite a, you know, well, it was newspaper journalism, so I mean, right about now, like, newspaper mm-hmm. journalism! <laughs> I started to joke that I have more job security as an artist than a newspaper journalist, but um, there was, even though that felt like a fulfilling trajectory in some ways, it's still there's still a public audience. You know, there's, still, there's yeah, some yeah. resonances yeah. between that. There's a public audience. You get to keep, going and practicing and practicing. There was a lot of practice involved. Yeah. Um, but at some point, I, it occurred to me that I could stay on this journalism trajectory and live a life of regret. <laughs> Which, you know, those, when those words formed themselves in me, you could live a life of regret. it it felt quite clear, like, what the choice should be. I mean, I was in my mid-20s. I didn't have any responsibilities, really. Like, there was nothing to tell me, oh, but, you know, this... You have to do this or that. Like, you know, I didn't... I don't come from a lot of, like, financial resources, but I do feel like cultural resources Mm -hmm. felt quite plentiful. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, so I just went for it. I decided to come back. So, um, and I went back to graduate school. Like I still was, um, I guess maybe you would say cautious enough. It's that I I didn't think, oh, I would like to dance. I don't want to live a re- life of regret, so I'm going to move to New York and just do it. You know, I. There, were, there was more work I needed to do and probably in, in a quieter place than New yeah. York. And yeah. with, more, with more sort of a focus on, in particular, on the dance and not on all the things that would come with living in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't imagine I would move to New York and dance. Mm-hmm. I just knew I needed... People would ask me at the newspaper, well, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to dance. <laughs> so... Um, Yeah, and then it was a three-year program. So over the course of that time, some other possibilities that were probably always there, but I started to open up and see that there were more possibilities as time went by for what I could do. And I moved to New York in particular to try to work with Urban Bush Women, Mm. um, the dance company here. I had interviewed the founder when I was 20 Mm -hmm. and the things she said about dance, which was really about storytelling and the African diaspora and like women in like our full power. And I don't think I had thought dance could be all of those things really. And I hadn't seen it quite the way she articulated it. And so a decade later I was auditioning for her. (laughs) So, So that's a, it, that's my sort of arrival and then
1: rearrival, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you spoke about something about how other people saw you, which actually directly makes me think about uh, something that I feel like I've never stumbled upon. To actually think of perception as infrastructures, other people's perceptions, and therefore. By that influence, our own perception about ourselves as offering us a scaffolding on which we can build, and I feel like somehow for performers, dancers, that that experience of someone else recognizing you as a dancer, of seeing you or your body as a dancer, means so much.
0: And I think maybe this is over the whole course of our lives. But especially as a young person, you know, I think about... Our possibilities are often shaped by what it is we are seeing as possible. Even if no one is saying it directly to me, like, this is what I see as possible in you. If I see someone who I feel (laughs) some kinship with doing something that I've never seen before in in Jawale's case interviewing her about her company shifted my sense of possibility like what a company could be and I was you know here I was a young journalist like interviewing her while I was on an internship you know I was on a trajectory and that trajectory intersected at a important moment with this
1: new information yeah. Yeah.
0: about what is possible. Yeah. 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 And I think it's, it's, I appreciate your connecting it with your thinking around infrastructure, because now I feel like in many ways what I'm working to cultivate in my creative work and my organizing work, which is all, intermingled with one another is like these series of infrastructural
1: um
0: like these series of platforms that i and others might find our way to together in order to have a vista like as a of what might be possible together I also love this infrastructure language when I was reading it um, and thinking about like, oh, I think I have spent quite a bit of time naming this idea of institution Mm -hmm. and thinking about institution and infrastructure and the ways ways I can see, you know, connection between Mm -hmm. those things, Mm -hmm. but also the... Way the naming of infrastructure, for me, feels also more full of potential, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> um, uh, more more full of potential for evolution or mm, adaptation. Mm,
1: mm, you know, yeah, yeah. it feels less fixed, yeah, um, um, mm. or played out in the world. Yeah, right. And the moment we do institutional thinking, uh, one thinks within very set forms of language that we have inherited, uh, and we know exactly where we've inherited those mm-hmm. from. Um, and so while maybe a latent impulse is also to think of, you know, structures inherited, fixed structures Mm -hmm. starting from societies to nations to states to then uh, to civic institutions Mm -hmm. to families. Exactly. uh, um, And they all offer a boundary in which you can exist and you cannot Mm -hmm. exist. Um, And therefore institutions while can present themselves as spaces of bringing people in but insidiously are play, are become places of keeping people out mm-hmm. um, and so then I feel like that's not adequate if I want to think of a dancing body that has dreams of her own or their own within an institution but maybe within an infrastructure. mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm having
0: a flurry of of thoughts, but since you last said a dancing body, I also feel like the the infrastructure of a dancing body and what um, the ways in which I think institutional thinking around the dancing body actually diminishes the sort of broader sort of potentials uh, for the capacities of it. You know, the, the ways in which um, there's a privileging of, of intellect that lives in the brain, which is one very small part of a whole body that I, I the whole body has intellect. Yeah. And so um, the ways in which institutions maybe, uh, it's, it's one of the ways I think of institutions as kind of um, compartmentalizing in a way that the dancing body actually won't fulfill its potentials. If it's compar- like it, things, when things begin to integrate as a dancing body, that's when you're actually able to, that's, that's where your strength and your um, sort of ability to finesse certain mm-hmm. things, your sense of detail, of being able to scale mm-hmm. yourself, um, starts to fulfill itself. Yeah. And so there's a bit of a conundrum, I feel, like living in the world as a dancing body,
1: yeah.
0: and maybe by extension, a dancing body of color, like a person of color yeah. who is dancing um that in and of itself uh, contradicts mm-hmm. institutional mm-hmm. paradigms like it's yeah. it's it lives in contradiction it lives in contradiction with with capitalism yeah. and you know the i am i own my art in my body yeah. it's not you yeah. no longer can buy and yeah. sell my body yeah. i mean even as the world still, even though that's still a practice in the world. So, you know, there's still that tension. Um, And that feels like both a very powerful place to sit, like powerful in the sense that like, maybe in the sense of like agency, for you know um, and I think also exists in a space of like grief
1: mm. um,
0: around like what more potentials could be fulfilled if if institutions weren't set up in some of the ways that they are and by, by extension the systems that you know help to hold the institutions in place and you know infrastructure as a language also reminds me because we're in new york Mm -hmm. the way scaffolding goes up and down up and down it's like oh well this building needs this and so we know we have these materials and this is how we're going to configure them this time in order to do this and then another time it'll be they'll be narrower and at different levels and you know it also makes me think of because my father's a fisherman of building fish traps and that Mm -hmm. there's like there's a. There are certain design elements that are, they're quite practical. Um, that go into every fish trap, and there's also their own sort of aesthetics mm-hmm. around, you know, and what what materials are available, mm-hmm. and how are we going to use those materials over time, and so that idea of like infrastructure reminds me of that too. Oh, fish trap has an infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to function, and that infrastructure doesn't have to be fixed. Like mm. it's going to adapt to things like materials or conditions of the environment or the aesthetic, you know, potentials that the maker sees within it, you know. Yeah. Um, And that's been interesting to me too, to think about like, well, what is the function of my making too? You know, like, oh, there's, you know, yeah. Yeah. And how, does it need to be legible to everybody or do Mm -hmm. I, I and the people who come together to be in the experience is the function for us and then we carry that function Mm -hmm. out. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm curious. How do you, you have a relationship with legibility. Is that a thing that <laughs> that comes back? I
0: think it's the journalism mm. Mm. because you know when you're writing at a daily newspaper, it's really about how do I integrate all this research mm-hmm. that I might have done in two yeah. hours or in two weeks or in two days into something that's legible. Mm-hmm. For a broad audience of people who may or may not have any entry point Mm. into this Mm. particular topic or story. Mm. Um, And so I think it's a practice Mm. that just, that was like, oh, this is part of my early, it's like one of my early practices. Mm. Oh, this is, so it, I think, has become a part of how I function yeah it you know um, and I like language and I'm always so and maybe because I'm also I mean I'm 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 from the U.S. but I'm also from a colony and so the way so language is also interesting to me because you know I started there where people are like we are multilingual even though you can't understand we're we're speaking English also we're going to speak English to you the way you might speak English and then there's also many other languages that are present um But moving from there, we moved to Hawaii, which is also like a whole other set of languages. And then many, I mean, I lived in so many regions in the U.S. growing up that I think there was also a, before the journalism, there was also a practice of translation and, oh, this means this here. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of that's language, some of that's probably body Mm -hmm. too. Um,
1: what we what I have heard here people call code switch yeah Um, and to actually think that first of all that it is a code uh, in some senses of delivering an entire universe of my personhood but it's just code that can be delivered. Yeah. You know, how I sound, the language that I speak, how my spine holds. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's funny because I think there's a tension um, around code switching. And um reference, but it's a kind of its space, something is empty and just breaking up to see each of
1: its
0: as a The function and the value of the function, you know, and whether you know, in a and a sort of spectrum of judgment in relationship the code switching um, and I think about like when people
1: when so much of the
0: when so many developments in this country particularly among, like, African diasporic people, but I, I only speak to that because that's my group, but I feel like it's, by extension, many people um, who've... Um, had to make a way um, that there's uh, a lot of... That it feels sometimes like a lot of the technologies have been survival technologies, mm-hmm. and code switching is like a, is a, is and in the lineage of these survival technologies, yeah. um, and so there's a way in which that's related to like what we had to kind of be pushing up against, and I think code switching also is like an innovation of um, I also think it's a liberation technology you know and so uh it's like uh It's like a hammer is a tool, and you can use it for a whole lot of things. It doesn't mean the hammer is inherently bad or good, you know, it's just like, what do you use it for? Um, And, yeah, so I think there's, um, I think the innovations that have come over time by making a way here, um, Are complicated as just as the history is. And you know, on the one, like, one part of the circle of those innovations, it's like, oh, it's like terror, grief, discovery, joy, celebration. Uh, You know, it goes, uh, I feel like it's not, oh, it's fixed, it's not this. Or that, and you know, how do we, I mean, how might those technologies even be thought of as like, like those are infrastructures mm-hmm. yeah. that have been developed over time and that are are constantly shifting because that's part of the, yeah. uh, that's part of why they were, why they unfolded yeah. and are ha- continue to unfold, um, because the conditions necessitate
1: yeah. it, you know, yeah. it to happen. So within this back you know, backdrop, where one is constantly negotiating our bodies in the world and how they're perceived and. They truly want to be but haven't haven't found it in them completely to inhabit that desire. Mm. How, how do you arrive at making work? How do you how do you, how, how how do we make work actually? How, yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean this thing you just said about truly want to be and how do we discern what truly you know is within that and where does that come like is that that gut feeling Mm -hmm. and then well is that gut feeling connected to all of these histories like is it you know an intuition or an instinct around you know so i'm thinking about that and maybe i say that to say i i do feel like there's um an intuition or an instinct i do feel like that intuition or instinct or like impulse mm-hmm. is at play in maybe improvisation like those all of those things feel kind of connected to me in relationship to um, in relationship to, to, to creative process and maybe I'm, not maybe, I'm in a, an extended period of what started I think as resistance to like making dances anymore. You know, there was a, I was, I had gathered a group of people we were going to be making this work for the Bronx River, um, where the audiences would be on boats. This was in 2018. And I came into the creative process <laughs> saying, I'm not making dances anymore. No new dances. I, it just, um, and it influenced how we thought about what we were making. It also influenced how I perceived my sort of success mm-hmm. in that like how I would have to reframe what a successful mm. work because we were inviting audiences yeah. to come to this thing yeah. you know and it was being you know produced and mm. um and what did that mean to me at a time where I really was where I was also saying I'm not making dances yeah. um, And so for me, I think since that time, it's become more and more clear to me that I am most interested in, that the work I'm making is building communities of practice, that people who come together to, usually initiated by some idea that I have, and that we work on that idea and that in working on that idea, we're actually learning one another more and maybe emboldening. And that maybe, I think it's true. And emboldening one another to push in whatever directions each of us was already coming into this yeah. intersection from so that the making work for me then becomes, Oh, I'm so curious. Five years from now, what so and so is still doing, even though they're probably still looped in somehow to some process that's connected. You know, how can the bringing together of folks across geographies, across practices, um, to th- be in our bodies together you know I mean the body I, I love writing I mean the processes involve a lot of I guess modalities but coming back to the body feels important we all have a body and so I don't think that you, anyone's field precludes them like their primary practice may not be in the body but in some ways I feel like all of our primary practices are being in the body whether we're attuned to it or not. So that feels important, and then having that collective of people have a collective experience mm-hmm. that um, I want to say is catalytic. That feels a bit like
1: it's a catalytic experience, but
0: that that can, um, and I don't think it truly maybe gets at what I'm thinking. But that first of all is meaningful. Mm-hmm for them that has meaning in some way and for and if you if you make meaning of an experience you have you carry that meaning with you and so that's meaningful is maybe and I may think of other languages Mm. another time meaningful has just emerged so I'm like oh thank Mm. you meaningful Mm. Um, and that meaning doesn't have to be shared among us like we don't all have to have make the same meaning from it Um, And that for me is incredibly satisfying.
1: Mm. And then
0: the performance part of it or the like final product part, Mm. which is feels for me very aligned with like capitalist institutional Mm. stuff. It's like, oh, and then you premiere the thing or, you know, at the same time, I was a performer who loved performing and like always was trying to like find, even if it's the same work all the time, like, oh, what's the, like how am I today inside this work? So I do, of course, feel a value. It would be ridiculous for me to eschew the value of performance. Mm. Um, Mm. And within a context of, like, not wanting to make dances, don't, you know, whatever that might mean now, um, uh, wanting to be in, like, long community-building creative process with people. I think of performance as a, as a moment where you can mark the progress of the community, you know, because lots of stuff comes up when you're, you're starting to pressurize a process, yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: yeah.
0: um, and so it's a good, sort of, um, it can amplify certain possibilities. It can amplify certain things that are as yet unresolved within yeah. the group. It's. Yeah. You know, so I've started to think more about performance or producing, production of something as a way to gauge where we are in the longer trajectory of our community building praxis, process, you know, and that's the work. And then making work is like this piece of it. Yeah. Um, That has an important function. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, so I think that's where I got, like, me entering it, I don't want to make dances, was, I think, a, a lot about the institutions and the ways in which, even though they might seem quite vast, the ways in which... Making dances is... Oh, well, there's lots of different ways of making dances. It still feels quite product-oriented. Mm. It still relies on language like ephemeral, which I don't think of dance as ephemeral. Like, the, all the dances I've ever done live inside of me, and I'm not going anywhere. Mm. So all the processes that the community of folks I've been with... Like, we are with each other. That's just not ephemeral. It's just not. Yeah. Um, and so... You know, I'm a person who I think initiates a lot of next stages mm. with resistance to something yeah. that I don't like, like <laughs> you know, like I used to say, it's like my fu moment. moment. Yeah. And, but pretty, and pretty quickly, my, impulse and maybe now that I've been doing this long enough my practice okay so what are we going to do like I can't spend too much time in what am I against doing it's just my body doesn't want to hold that yeah like oh what am I against I, I think there's plenty to be against right now in the world and in as much as I can align my practice with people across a spectrum of practices who may be doing more sort of frontline organizing around the things that, I mean, a dance is not going to legislate something away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And that's not my practice. Like I, it would be silly for me to, Oh, now I'm going to throw myself because I care about this thing. I care about this thing and I feel strongly resistance. So what am I going to, what are we going to make? What are we going to do? Yeah. What are we going to build? What can, how can we amplify this? How can we build a practice that even the practice among ourselves, whether we're doing anything public or not, is an act of resistance yeah. to whatever this other yeah.
1: thing is? How do, how do
0: we fortify ourselves for the long
1: haul? Yeah. Yes. You know. Yeah. Um, and not automatically just accept this mandate that... Uh, something has happened, and we, within our dance or within our making, must respond to it. And you know, it, it's almost limiting what our bodies can be capable of doing, which is not simply opposing a event. Yeah, that's but right. But do more than that. That's right. And I would argue our very, like I said earlier, our
0: very being dancers, being in like attuned in an embodied way in the world of activating our bodies in vision practice is already resistance to so many of the things. Like the one event, it's like, well, the one event is systemically related to all these things that are being here in the world. And I'm not trying to... I just think that's a fact. I think when... When people who, whose bodies have historically been... All the things have happened, but... When people whose bodies have been through all of the things that... so me, That the bodies that I feel like I'm pulling together in yeah. space have been through historically and in the current moment um, come together with a sense of agency and liberation and... Uh, can cultivate the power of vision yeah. despite all of what might despite the seeming inertia of the Current moment and all of the histories that are, you know, waiting yeah. that, um, and like cultivate a sense of possibility and a sense of genuine investment in one mm-hmm. another, because I think that is that's also something that um, capitalism and certain sort of institutional thinking uh, does to us, it kind of like pushes us to invest in the institution Mm -hmm. and not in each other. Um, and dance practice requires us to invest in one another in many ways, you know, even, uh, in the simplest ways by like sharing, uh, sharing rhythm over time, sharing space over time. Um, In addition to, like, things like sharing vision yeah. or, you know, yeah. other things like that, stories and yeah. um, sweat. Like, you know, I mean, many people do not spend their days, like, sweating yeah. together and on each other and, yeah. like, and without shoes, many of yeah. us. And, you know, like, yeah. feeling the full soles of our feet, you yeah. know, it's, I mean, these practices are... Incredibly grounding and too too rare and uh, I think exceedingly necessary. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's, uh,
1: yeah. You know, um, I was just reminded while I was saying when when mm-hmm. we were talking about as dancers, we are already opposing certain just by being there. But I have a I feel like. In the context that I'm practicing at the moment, there is a peculiar uh, exception to that rule. That, um, see, the classical dance forms, right, in India, which had which had been honed and performed by those bodies that that have been historically been marginalized. Um there were other bodies who came from privilege who took over that space, criminalized certain like criminalized other bodies. Um and today are mostly inhabiting the the visibility of that entire spectrum of dancers. Mm -hmm. And so where the dance actually belongs, uh, those are the people who have to struggle and really work the hardest to claim the dance back into their bodies. Mm -hmm. Because the dance was turned around to become a point of stigma for those very bodies. And that same dance is celebrating somewhere else on someone else's body. Yeah. So I'm also thinking of I mean I'm also reminding myself that yes dance has has the ability to subvert a lot of this yeah. a lot of these structures but it has also been the site of that violence.
0: also feels connected to this notion of institutions or like yeah. when when does a, a dance or a form or a company or a small group of people even become you know a kind of institution or a use or adopt um, or leverage institutional um Practices to do yeah. something like what you, you know, yeah. because the dance isn't the only way that that was happening. Yeah. It's like, oh, of course, as this was happening, the dance, yeah. of course, followed, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's a. It's also an important. It feels important to remember that that's possible with anything. Yeah. yeah. Even if you're saying, oh, well, even as I'm saying, <clears throat> And as it's hard for me to imagine, oh, well, but it'd be hard for me to imagine like these groups of people that I'm, you know, connecting with as as not subverting. But then again, you know, anytime some people are doing something, some other people are not doing it, you know, too. Um, Which is not the same as the story you told, which is, I mean, about... Ownership yeah. and extraction, yeah. which is, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's practiced in many ways in many places. And certainly has been, you know, as I have this here and this little, like sugar packets like extraction. Like this is, you know, yeah. you extract the people from their place, you take them someplace new, and you bring something else and yeah. you extract that and yeah. Yeah. Uh, And the extra and labor, you know, I mean, in particular, when I think about African descendant people in the Caribbean and the United States and other places. But those are the two places, the two geographies I know more in my body. Yeah. Um, You know, this idea of dance, I think, for me, feels subversive among us. Not only historically, where we know dances were ways to like send messages and um, um, and have some more agency over our own body, and it's what it some more choice about exerting yeah. our bodies, um, but this notion of like extracting the labor from these from the bodies of these people. Yeah. Um, and then now thinking about, you know, my and our choice about labor and where yeah. we exert our energy and for what. Um, it feels really important. Mm. To, I don't think I'm mindful enough about the directions I put my energy and labor, considering the, considering the journey toward having any choice at all about that. Mm. Um, so even as I'm thinking about it consciously and by nature of being a dance yeah. dancer, it um,
1: feels. Um,
0: maybe even more critical than I'm even, the level at which I'm even attending to it. I mean, I'm doing, I think, what I know to do right now, but, um, yeah, that's quite a journey. And I enter that journey even as like a passable body, like on the spectrum of like, on the Mm. color spectrum, which is also something we could probably talk a bit about interculturally but um you know like the gradations of institutional privilege yeah. that my body yeah. experiences that's different from other bodies who are even within my you know the that i'm within the community of people yeah. um and that may show up to be in these sort of intentional communities around ideas I might have or around ideas others of us might have, um, that we're also that being mindful that we're not all having the same experience, even if we may have an intersecting history. Yeah,
1: yeah. Which takes me to that that moment that we that you did mention, which is. Probably the afterthought moment, which is the moment of performance itself—the performative moment, yep. where we are encountering the spectator or the audience—and um, and probably trying to uh, to invoke, um, you know how that experience and maybe if you can go back to the first five to seven minutes just after you have finished performing mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's really those five to seven minutes where our guts know what has truly transpired mm-hmm. or whether something has transpired at mm-hmm. all or not and mm-hmm. um, how do you know that this has been successful or it has not been successful?
0: Oh. Oh, that's a great question.
1: I'll add an anecdote, that please. Is, um, you know, for. For a very long time, I did proscenium work. Like, I came out of my classical dance training and performed repertoires straight up as a soloist to auditoriums. Mm-hmm. And we are, it's a heavily stylized um, costume, makeup, all that. Mm-hmm. And when I would finish my dancing, maybe a 90-minute set, mm-hmm. and I would... Run into the green room. Um, Just not, and because there is this convention where friends and family, and sometimes even just audiences, come to the green room and you meet them outside to greet you and tell you how great it was or how they enjoyed it, etc. etc. And I would run into um, my green room before those encounters would happen and do away with my entire makeup and and you can actually just look like two very different people and actually come out wearing like from my sort of embroidered silks and things, I come out wearing the kind of most faded cotton Mm -hmm. kind of blouse Mm -hmm. and thing so that I could I have to deal with that expectation of what this dancer means and has uh, to evade that uh, the offering that often audiences make of of saying, oh, you know, and adhering to the myth of the heavens of goddesses of mm-hmm. these kinds of things. Mm-hmm.
0: It's funny uh, when you asked the question, the first thing I thought of was that I never liked the after part where you meet with people. Yeah. I I think And I typically have, if I've been able to avoid it, I will go wherever we don't have to go there. If I maybe have a friend or something there, maybe I'll see it. Like maybe they can come around and we can go. Um, So I think it's interesting that you named that. And then it gave me a little time also to just sit with the question a bit more. And I'll say that in the, in that more immediate moment, I will say that I, have had a couple of performances where I was a performer in someone else's, I mean, work that was conceived altogether, but where I was a performer in Urban Bushwoman. Um, during my first few seasons, we um, I was in a new work that was, um, in which we were embodying, through the lens of Pearl Primus's diaries, um, uh, her research on sharecropping in the South. She went to the South to like work as a sharecropper as part of her um, anthropological dance research. And um, that work in particular among the, I think there were eight of us in that piece, among the eight of us in that piece, several times like at the end of the work, which, the work builds and builds and builds, and then ends like at the top of yeah. energy. <laughs> yeah. um, several times, like we finish that piece and bowed, sobbing. Like everyone, just mm. um, sobbing. And I, uh, I don't have a value judgment about whether that those times then were more. I don't know. Yeah. It's That's what happens sometimes. And I feel like that piece in particular is a work that um, journeyed us there yeah. more than once. So there was something in the practice of, of that performance work and in maybe getting to do it many times and then maybe a collective attunement to some other... Thing or the particular audience who was gathered at the time, you know, or where we were performing it. Yeah. Maybe geographically, like, oh, in the South, we may have felt something different as a group. Yeah. And that's what happened, you know, that maybe ancestors are like it with us in a different way, you know. Um, but I will say that having without saying, oh, well, that was more transformative than other times there is something about that occurrence and the fact that the work could take us there many times that um, made me feel grateful for this sort of intergenerational and historic ancestral practice of ritual. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this dance is a ritual you know, not just because of the crying, but also it it signals for me something else is happening in the work that's not just about performance. Um, And so there's... So in relationship to the notion of success, I feel like it may have started to give me some embodied experience of how performance practice can be connected to ritual and the ways in which, and maybe my own sense of like the value of that. Yeah. Um, And then beyond sort of that immediate moment past... I really am always curious about, oh, what this artist who was part of this performance process? Oh. What are they like? What are they doing now, and what influence might be us being together have had on like where they decided to go next? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, themselves. Mm-hmm. And I usually that's maybe a little harder to discern unless people are very. Tran- like transparent about it or even recognize oh you know when I was in this it gave me the idea for this but there have been some moments where that that connection or uh, where that connection was more legible that's incredibly satisfying to me too because maybe because of this my resistance if you could call it that to like ephemeral or you know I don't think of the process as finishing even if the formal process that I may have called us yeah. into yeah. is complete that there's always ellipses I mean, yeah. like you know yeah. which is not something that I could use as a journalist ellipses don't you know don't yeah. work in a daily newspaper really yeah. but in dance you know yeah. ellipses yeah. are uh, quite useful so yeah. yeah and ellipses for me also are um, resistance, perhaps, to institutionalization. Like, eh, there's here's space. Like, you, you're yeah. talking about space or emptiness. It's like, ah, here's a one pathway toward infinite possibility, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah. So, in conclusion, yeah. I know you spoke about um, the sugar pathway, oh, yeah. but uh, yeah. do you want to tell us how how you, how did you think of Yeah,
0: this? you know, this work that I've been working on for like the past decade or this project, objects, because it started with me looking at my dad's fishing tradition and then thinking about, you know, what do you, I, when I left my ancestral home, what did I take with me and what did I leave behind and what probably maybe most, uh, Urgently, what can you reclaim? Yeah. And um, so when you asked about objects, and, oh, so many objects, I don't know, you know. Um, and then, But I was traveling at the time, so I wasn't home to sort of sift through, oh, what are my objects? But when I think about emptiness, and like after I read some of your writing, when I think about emptiness, when I think about history, but also like how do we move, yeah, how is history sort of in a circular way related to present and future mm-hmm. is also some of what I was thinking about when I was reading. Um, and then from a practical, like, what do I have access to? Like, what might I have access to that I feel like has some bearing on, mm-hmm. like, things that I'm thinking about and working on? Um, Communities that I'm connected mm-hmm. to, and the provocations that yeah. you're putting out there, which I felt quite connected with mm-hmm. m- many of the things that you were saying, and um, sugar always comes to mind. I just made this year my first um, dance for film, mm-hmm. um, shot in a sugarcane field on my home island that. Um, is a new sugar cane field? Mm-hmm. Like a guy from the, from the mainland U.S. came down there and decided to plant sugar again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so I thought, oh, sugar in a jar feels like there's something to it. There's Because sugar is both sweet and bitter
1: mm-hmm.
0: for yeah. me and for many people. I mean, you know, when you think of, Colonialism like sugar is one of those main yeah. you know um
1: items ago, yeah. and
0: objects of you know this that has influenced our current yeah. um landscape. And then I saw that this packet says America Runs on Duncan, pure sugar. And I You know, coffee is also one of those, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, products. And so I I just thought how... I'm also trying to let my humor be more (laughs) um, connected to my work. And so um, America does run on Duncan in ways that people don't... People who are using this packet of sugar don't fully recognize yeah. um so the irony of this packet and its relationship to sort of me and my people's history and world history yeah um and specifically what's said on here yeah. Yeah, felt appropriate yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to to, to leave with you <laughs> thank you yeah yeah thank you, thank you. yeah